You're listening to the Charge Forward audio blog by Chargebacks 911, bringing you the latest in payments and fraud. To learn more about how Chargebacks 911 can help you reduce chargebacks and recover revenue lost to fraud, visit us online at chargebacks911.com. This episode is a replay of a webinar entitled Beyond MasterCard Dispute Resolution and features experts from Chargebacks 911. Okay, uh, my name is Jared Wright. I'm the marketing director here at Chargebacks 911. Um, again, I just want to thank everybody for taking the time out of their day to join us today. I, I, I appreciate it. Um, for those of you who are unfamiliar with Chargebacks 911, uh, we help merchants by identifying and preventing chargebacks before they happen and managing the disputes for the chargebacks that do happen. Um, Monica, our co-founder and COO, was scheduled to speak today, but unfortunately, she had a last-minute obligation that's going to make it, so she won't be able to join us today. Um, but don't worry, we've got uh, some great presenters for you today. Uh, Craig McClure, who is located in our UK branch, will be speaking. Uh, Craig, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, can you take a few minutes and just uh, kind of introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. My name's Craig and I uh, lead our relationship management team in our UK office, as Jared said. Um, I've been with Chargebacks 911 now for just over a year, um, but before that I have something like 17 years experience in financial services here in Europe, working for two of the largest banks, both in issuing and acquiring, and spending the last four years before joining here uh, working in Visa Europe, uh, right before Visa fused back into uh, into the global the global network here in Europe. So hopefully, uh, I'm reasonably qualified enough to speak to you today, and uh, I hope I hope we've got some good content for you. Yeah, and um, also is Jonathan Broomfield, who's a compliance manager, also from uh, the UK office. Um, thank you also for joining us today, Jonathan. Um, could could you kind of tell us a little bit about um, yourself and? Uh, Tells what that, yeah, that's it. absolutely, yeah. My pleasure. So, hi everyone, I'm John Broomfield. Um, as Jared said, I work in the UK office with Craig and I'm the compliance manager. Um, and so in terms of my kind of background, um, I've been working for 17 years in the in the chargeback space. Um, I worked for the Royal, Royal Bank of Scotland um, for 17 years, purely in chargebacks, doing the multiple kinds of roles. So from management to project management to representment to first cycle, um, to pre-arbitration, to exceptions. Um, so as Craig said, hopefully we've got some good content here for you today and uh, thank you very much for dialing in. Okay, great. Um, and for those of you where this is uh, the first webinar um, or if it's been a while since you've been on one of our webinars, I'm just gonna take a, a, a brief moment to explain how this webinar will be structured. Um, the first part of the webinar will be fairly visual. It'll include uh, presentations from John and Craig. Um, so for that part, we ask that if possible, you kind of close other windows and uh, give us your attention. Um, the second portion of the webinar will be uh, Q&A, where we answer many of the questions that were submitted um, before the webinar. Um, if you have any additional questions during the webinar, feel free to submit them. Um, if we're unable to get to them during the webinar, we will make sure to answer them by email after the webinar. Um, uh, just because everybody asked, uh, this webinar will be available for replay. And lastly, uh, this and other webinars will eventually be released as an audio uh, for in audio format on our podcast. Uh, so if you'd like to go check some of those out, just search Charge Forward, all one word, with Chargebacks 911, uh, however you get your podcasts. Okay, Craig, uh, you want to take things from here? 
Yeah, thanks, Jared. Um, so just before we start, one, I will apologise in advance for my broad Scottish accent and hopefully everyone can understand me and I'll try and speak slowly and clearly. Um, but before we get started, this is a, a subject which a lot of people are interested in. We receive dozens of questions um, every week from our clients about uh, the upcoming changes for, for the MasterCard are, are making. We just want to be clear that, that what we're presenting today is what we understand today. So it's based on really what we what we understand, what are our view is, um, and is obviously subject to change. As some of you will know, some of the dates have changed, some of the initiatives are, are shifting. So this is really just a, a snapshot of what we understand today and what we expect. Okay, so as the slide says, sweeping changes for MasterCard. So everyone will understand, hopefully, that Visa made some big changes to their chargeback system last year. And they did that in a big bang across one weekend, which um, we won't debate the merit of here. Um, but certainly MasterCard are taking a very different approach, which we'll describe, which we'll describe today. So for those of you who are in any way familiar with the chargeback system, it really originates from the very beginning when we invented credit cards back in the 60s. And chargebacks had to exist as a way to, to protect the network from abuse and give customers confidence in the brand. But unfortunately, over the years, as we've evolved uh, from ZipZap machines to MagStripe to Chip to Card Not Present to e-commerce and all the different varieties of transactions, we've, we've just tend to have bolted on additional rules or additional changes to the system. Really what MasterCard are trying to do here, in our opinion, is bring the system into the 21st century, make it fit for purpose in the digital world that we all live in. Um, and really, that's 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 the the purpose of the of the of the change, um, as well as obviously attempting where we can to simplify the system and take cost out for all parties. And I'll hand over to John now, who's going to talk a little bit about uh, the phased approach that Mastercard are taking. Um, as we said, Mastercard are doing things a little bit differently, a little bit more considered, and taking things a little bit more slowly, and hopefully learning from some of the feedback that they've no doubt had um, as a result of the, the way that Visa implemented their changes last year. Okay, thanks for the introduction, Craig. Um, so as Craig mentioned during the intro, uh, what Mastercard hoped to achieve is something similar like what um, Visa have done by introducing VCR last year. Um, with the main goals of being helped to help facilitate uh, reduce chargeback volumes through process change and consolidate processing tools and workflows into a single process with, uh, with technology, um, which we'll talk more on later. Um, and to also help facilitate chargeback avoidance. Uh, and this is going to be particularly important by actually having the participation of the merchant early in the dispute lifecycle. Um, so creating better relationships that are streamlined with the, the same intention of you know, saving stress and the costs on all parties involved with the chargeback process. Um, so as Craig mentioned, MasterCard are doing things a little bit different compared to the Visa's approach um, with their initiatives and have been smart with their planning. Um, they're choosing to roll out each rule change and initiatives in phases. So to help prevent overload of actions that need to be implemented by a single required date, um, and this will hopefully uh, allow each entity to better prepare and concentrate on each of the changes individually um, rather than trying to um, put it all together in one go and not knowing really which way to go with it. So what we'll do is we'll go through to phase one, which came into effect on the 12th of October in 2018. Um, so these were updates to actual existing rule codes. Um, which now require some additional information to be added 
um, at the first cycle chargeback and upfront, rather than having to produce it later on down the chargeback cycles. Um, so if we look at the first two, the 4831 and 4834, so incorrect transaction amount and points of interaction error, um, what's now required is that a cardholder a card letter must be provided and also proof of an incorrect amount. So for example, if there's a final bill or a receipt that can actually provide um, evidence of how the transaction amount differs from the initial transaction that took place. Um, on the next one, 4853, cardholder dispute. Um, so for digital goods and reoccurring payment transactions, um, you will now require a cardholder letter detailing the reason for the dispute. Um, and additionally, for recurring disputes, they will now require a cardholder letter for each file chargeback. So typically what would happen previously was that when you had a chargeback for a reoccurring transaction, you'd send a letter with the initial transaction. Um, any subsequent chargebacks that were filed after that, you could probably use some form of data, like an ARN number. That's no longer allowed. There has to be a form of documentation at each stage and at each chargeback that's now filed. Um, and then the last one we come to is 4863, cardholder does not recognize. So for this one, um, there now needs to be document, documentation of proof that the cardholder has communicated with the merchant in an attempt to resolve the dispute. Um, so you can't now just create an expedited billing form. There must be some form of evidence to say that there's been an attempt to resolve. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. So the, the, the phase two um, is next week, so April 12th uh, this year, and is a pretty straightforward change. So essentially refunds issued after a chargeback reversal will not be reimbursed. Um, so what does that mean in the real world? Merchants should really be careful about issuing refunds after a chargeback has been filed. Uh, we're trying to avoid double enrichment it's a pretty straightforward change, but it's and it's a simplification of the system as it stands. Thank you, Craig. Okay, so before actually diving into phase three, um, there's something else that we actually wanted to touch on, which is being introduced on the 1st of July and to, um, the, uh, this year, which is the Mastercom collaboration for acquirers, issuers, and merchants. Um, so this is a really exciting development. Um, and it's going to feel something very similar to what Visa has done with their VMPI service. Uh, and it's a, an exciting new addition to the claims manager. And this gives merchants the ability to provide a response to a customer inquiry before the chargeback cycle even begins. Um, so this process is designed to enhance the dispute process, um, reduce and drive, um, drive down costs um, and growing volumes. And, and facilitate uh, a data sharing intelligence among all the parties involved, allowing everyone to gain um, valuable insights to potential fraudulent chargeback activities uh, and help distinguish between genuine fraud and what we call friendly fraud or first party fraud. Um, so this process is going to behave a little bit differently compared to what um, Visa do. So where Visa require a response um, within a matter of seconds once the kind of VMPI notification has been um, has been selected, um, Mastercard will actually pause the first initiated chargeback and they'll allow merchants to respond within a certain time frame. Um, they use an example of around 72 hours, but we're unsure if that is uh, a standard response time that's set in stone. 
um, but it will be a near real-time response for a quick resolution um, before they try and file the charge back. Um, so what we don't know is how this process looks right now and what is involved, but our expectations is that merchants would have probably a few options available to them. Um, they have either providing data through an API connection um, that connects to certain data points within a CRM um, or uh, other customer data store platforms, um, or they can upload a documentation to Mastercom potentially. Um, but all of this is the same as kind of what VCR was, and it's to shorten the dispute resolution timeframe, reduce chargeback volumes and costs, uh, and improve the customer experience. So for issuers and acquirers, um, they must be migrated to Mastercom Claims Manager to participate in the collaboration functionality. And for merchants, um, you can contact Mastercard directly and connect directly through them, um, through Mastercom Claims Manager, uh, or you can do this via um, your processor. And we're unsure at the moment, but maybe Mastercard will allow third-party facilitators to drive that service for you as well. Okay, so on to phase three. So the 18th of October 2019 um, date has been announced, but information has actually been pretty limited uh, in terms of what changes we can expect during this phase. Um, what we do know is that during this phase, there's going to be a technical change for issuing banks, and MasterCard will be aligning domestic reason codes and timeframes across all regions to the global chargeback consolidated family reason codes. Um, so basically what this means is that all chargeback reason codes will be the same across their different brands rather than having um, both single and dual message chargeback rules. Okay, phase four, uh, again, a year on from now. So this is a, a pretty exciting change. Um, at the moment, if you, as a merchant, represent a transaction, the issuer can, in some cases, make a second chargeback, which essentially moves the money back to your liability. Now for a couple of reason codes, particularly around fraud um, and cardholder disputes, um, the ability to make a second chargeback has been removed. So in the real world, that means that when you have represented the transaction with your evidence, um, then the funds move to the issuer and they then have to make a decision about uh, what to do next. So going straight to an arbitration, uh, which is what used to be the third cycle, um, or taking the transaction and writing it off. So essentially it means that merchants aren't sitting with money that's been charged back um, in the second cycle. So that's a pretty interesting and welcome change. Okay, so looking back, we have a couple of additional changes um, that happened in 2018, um, which is impacted uh, two particular reason codes. Um, so the first one is reason code 4837, no cardholder authorization. So MasterCard have removed the condition which allows an acquirer to provide brand new information, um, like a, a merchant name or date as a potential remedy for this type of chargeback. Um, this applies when, specifically, when the merchant information is uh, a complete mismatch between the authorization and the clearing. Um, so basically, if there's a discrepancy between the authorization and clearing, the acquirer cannot automatically remedy this chargeback um, with new information, and we'll need to treat this as a, a valid fraudulent claim and go through the 
the rules and regulations of the chargeback schemes. The second one is reason code 4863 for the cardholder does not recognize. Um, so we uh, touched on this earlier on in the webinar. So to file a chargeback, a cardholder letter or email must be provided and be a direct result of the cardholder communication to resolve the dispute. And as I said, expedited billing forms will not be allowed. Um, however, something else interesting is going to be happening with this reason code. So the chargeback right for 4863 will be eliminated and decommissioned. Um, this is due to the implementation of the collaboration layer uh, and the processes within Claims Manager. Um, we don't know the exact date for this as of yet, and it will probably be released in the future announcement, but they're looking for it to, between the, to be between the 12th of July and the 18th of October. And I think, John, that will align with uh, the, the equivalent deletion of the, of the rule on the visa side as well. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Okie dokie, not, not necessarily related to the claims manager, but they're still important changes that are that are happening at around about the same times. So this one is 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 an important one. So it takes effect mandatory from a mandatory perspective next year, but it is available from the June this year um, for merchants to authorise their refunds. Now what that does is one, deletes chargebacks for uh, where the customer hasn't received the goods or has taken the goods back and hasn't had had the funds returned to them yet but it also means that um, customers will have their uh, available balances or open to buy whichever terminology we use always correct um, so this is an improvement to customer experience um, it's something that regulators are very interested in and you know we often get questions you know, it's very easy for you to authorise a transaction and reserve the money, but it's very difficult for you to send it back. So this is what that change does. Now, another change happening this year is to do with something called negative option billing. So in plain English, it is essentially for merchants who are supplying uh, free samples, recurring transactions, uh, physical goods which will involve a future dated payment or series of payments. Now, this is a very controversial area in the industry and again attracts a lot of attention from, from regulators and there are lots of rules and with this initiative MasterCard are attempting to consolidate and promote best practice um, in a mandatory way. So if you are a merchant who's operating in this space, you must tell the customer prior to charging their card when they will be charged, how much they will be charged, very clear instructions on how to cancel the service and the precise name that will appear on their billing statement. Um, so it's an important one to comply with. The rules are very, very clear about physical goods, um, less clear about the provision of digital services. However, in our view, it would be best practice to comply as if you were supplying physical goods and it delivers a good customer outcome and hopefully avoids chargebacks. So just to add to that, so just to be very clear, so it's the collection of information, um, collection of data from the customer, and as we understand it at the moment, it is directly looking at the provision of physical services. However, um, a bit of ambiguity about digital or, or other services. Moving on, again, I'll very touch on this very, very briefly. So MasterCard have created this uh, questionable merchant audit program. So essentially that is there for, uh, 
merchants who are operating in the physical space and is designed to drive uh, the adoption of chip technology in markets where it's perhaps needing a little bit of a move along. So essentially, if you choose to accept a, a MagStripe only transaction on a chip card or if an issuer has not issued a chip card, they won't be eligible to recover any fraud through chargebacks. So promotion of chip is the idea here. And that brings us really to the end of the of the of the course slides. I think we can move Jared to to some Q and A that we've got. Yeah, that was that was a really good overview and a really great presentation. I appreciate you guys uh, um, doing that. And then uh, so now what we're going to do is we're going to uh, kind of go through some of the questions that were submitted ahead of the webinar. And again, remember if you have any questions that uh, arise during the webinar, feel free to type them in. Um, we we may not get to them today but we will make sure that we respond to you after the webinar via email with the best and clearest answer that we possibly can okay. all right so the, the first question that was submitted uh is uh what new changes have the most impact on cmp merchants um who wants to take this one um yeah i'll take this one jared sure uh, okay so the the most impact so I guess there's going to be three core things that could have the most impact, really. Um, the removal of the 4863 chargeback reason code. Um, so what we're probably looking at there is that when it has been eliminated and decommissioned, um, that any kind of reason code now where a customer doesn't recognize or another doesn't authorize will go down the, the fraud route and 4837. Um, but hopefully they're looking at that collaboration, collaboration layer um, is going to prevent the majority of those kind of chargebacks coming through. Um, or it's certainly the invalid ones. Um, I guess the other one then would be that the introduction of the collaboration, so that layer, uh, and the most notable change, I think, or the one that people are going to feel the most would be um, the kind of present merchants uh, who do run a negative option billing business model, um, as Craig said. So changes m must be made to ensure you are operating under the scheme regulations and this is coming into force on the 12th of April. So it's, it's coming around quick. So hopefully um, he, who, all those who are on the MTC code uh, will already have made uh, plans to their business. Okay, all right. Okay, so the next question is, um, will the window to respond to chargebacks uh, be expanded for merchants? Um, the simple answer for that one is no. Uh, at this time, there will be no changes to chargeback timeframes uh, apart from reason code 4834, um, where issuers must file within 90 days rather than the, the 120 days that you typically have. Um, other than that, though, Cardos will still have 120 days to file a chargeback and 45-day response timeframes thereafter from the merchant. Um, however, merchants will just will each or however yeah merchants will need to check with their acquirers or processors um, as they often have their own timeframes in place for when a chargeback needs to be responded by, um, as they will also need to review the defence documents for before submitting through to scheme. So that's just something to keep in mind um, when you're looking at your timeframes of getting those responses through for submission. Okay, great. Okay, uh, next question is, why is MasterCard eliminating the chargebacks via GCMS and how is that an advantage to the customer? Uh, okay, so that's a 
It's a good question, but I just want to understand it, and maybe whoever asked it, I can follow up with an email. Um, so GCMS, for those who don't know, is Mastercard's global clearing management system. So when you when you get paid, it's coming through GCMS. Um, so chargebacks aren't being eliminated through GCMS, but I think what the question relates to is probably the introduction of, of the collaboration layer, which John has described. So if there is an attempt to at collaboration, that will happen outside of clearing and settlement. Um, but if the transaction does get to chargeback, it will still be processed in the way that it is today. Okay. All right, the next question is, um, why don't the bank's financial institutions give a reason as to why the dispute was lost? Um, John, did you have a, did you have thoughts on this? Uh, I, I, yes, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, we wouldn't, we wouldn't really be able to speak on behalf of our issuers and acquired operators. This is purely just how they behave and set themselves up for chargeback management and handling. Um, typically, in terms of what we see as best practices, um, once liability has been accepted or uh, a further response submitted, um, updates should be provided um, either via written communication, so a, a letter or an email, um, or uploaded to um, to a platform with comments and any additional documentation that's been provided. Um, all I can say is if this is something that's not taking place currently for you, um, then I would recommend speaking with your acquirer and working with them to establish a process where you receive notifications of rejected disputes and, and the reasons why. Um, however, it could be that the acquirer is also limited on the information, so it may be a requirement there for, uh, for them to achieve some support from the issuing bank to understand what happened with the case as well. Okay. The next question is, uh, what impact are these changes expected to have on win rates for chargeback representatives? Uh, oh, that's a, that's a good question. Um, so I, I guess it's what we need to do is we kind of have a look at the results of what we see from Visa, really, uh, since your introduction of VCR and VMPI and the, the allocation routes. Um, but I think we can definitely expect or we hopefully expect a global reduction in win rates for chargeback cases. Um, with the introduction of the collaboration layer um, to the chargeback process and the rule-based decision edits that MasterCard are going to probably be putting in place, um, particularly when filing under the fraud category, uh, I think this will have a, a direct impact on those figures. Um, yeah. I mean, I think for example... Sorry, okay, great. No, sorry, I was just going to add to what you were saying. So, so I think um, what we're expecting is that there will be an overall re reduction in chargebacks because you'll only be receiving quality or real chargebacks rather than speculative ones going forward. Um, and as a result, your ability to, to represent will be will be less, but your 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 or your sorry your ability to 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 win will be will be less because the data will drive the decision. Yeah, correct. right. But, but 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 you're saying, Craig, that that um, it is reasonable to assume that for a lot of merchants, they should receive uh, fewer net chargebacks. Correct. Fewer chargebacks. Right. But at yeah. a gross level, I mean, you, the, the ones that don't end up being chargebacks will go down the collaboration route, and hopefully, they can be resolved outside the chargeback process. Is is our expectation at this stage? Yeah, you you'd expect things like. Um, a chargeback that was filed on a transaction that had already been refunded or a potential chargeback that was filed outside the actual timeframes 
that those would actually be identified by MasterCard and then marked as invalid and blocked. So they wouldn't come through. So those ones that typically used to come through that you could defend and then win 100% of the time, um, they won't probably exist. I mean, if we look at the kind of statistics that we see from like Visa, around about 80% of those transactions don't exist anymore. So what you would have won 100% of was no longer going to be there. And as you said, you'll have a reduction of your actual chargeback volumes, but there will probably be a reduction in your win rates as well because of that. Okay. Um, the next person wanted to know, will the new chargeback process improve the merchant experience? Well, that's an easy one, 100% yes. Um, <laughs> with, <laughs> with the introduction of the collaboration layer, I mean, this is designed to, to, to only allow valid chargebacks being filed, removing abuse from the system, giving you the opportunity to resolve things outside of chargebacks, allowing you to, to have your, your staff actually working on stuff that's more productive than defending chargebacks. It's, it's, it's going to be a significant improvement to the merchant experience. Perfect. Um, how will the new rules impact merchants selling physical goods on a negative option and free trial business models? Um, and what action should they take to make sure that they're in compliance, I assume? Okay, hopefully we covered a lot of this in the in the main segment of the presentation, but I'll run over it again very briefly. Um, I think it's probably fair to say MasterCard are taking a zero tolerance approach to non-compliance with this because of the level of customer unhappiness with the way that some merchants in these spaces operate. Um, it's not everybody, but sometimes people get tarred with the brush. I think we've described the rules that, that are there and you should hopefully have been notified by your processor, gateway or acquirer by now, but you must you must comply, the rules are explicit. Um, and I would imagine non-compliance would have consequences for your ability to accept cards. Okay. And then uh, how will the new rules impact merchants selling digital goods on a negative option model and free trial business model? Um, I guess the, the difference here is that they're selling digital goods rather than physical goods, right? Yeah, and I think, as, as I said earlier, um, in our view, the rules aren't, aren't necessarily explicit about digital goods, um, but I think it would certainly be best practice to comply with the, with the same rules. It, it's, it's a good way to treat your customers um, and it's a smart way to avoid chargebacks. Okay. But this could be something that they could, they could talk with their processor about, right? Yes, ab absolutely. Okay. Okay. Uh, the next question was, how will these new charter changes impact merchants compared to VCR? So I guess that's a big question. I, there was there was a lot of versions of this question that were submitted. Um, you know, what what are some of the things that are different about uh, the, what Mastercard's doing, and, and what are some of the areas where the, there's some commonality? Um, well, I guess I think, I mean, the one change really is, is uh, when I think of it is in terms of the actual execution and how they're actually delivering these changes. Um, you know, I think, I think MasterCard have actually thought, thought this through and, you know, they've probably seen what's happened with VCR as well. And, and by doing it in phases, I think it's only a, a good thing. And it will certainly make for a smoother transition with a view that this has a minimal impact on the integration for all the kind of entities involved. Um, so I think there's the kind of like, the big difference there. And I think it's a, it's a good thing that's going on as well um, and doing it in the phases. I mean, if we're looking at... If you're looking at it from the perspective of an overall impact of the changes being made, um, I think the end result is 
going to be similar to VCR, or at least having an aim to be the same as VCR. Um, with like kind of new technology and tools in place, um, it's definitely designed to promote a more intelligent way of dispute handling, um, which has all parties involved, including the merchant now, which is great. Um, however, I think with MasterCard, the, the data will also be a bit richer, um, purely because of the connection that they'll have with the claims manager collaboration functionality. So each entity, including the merchant, they'll have the visibility to see the single claim through its whole entire life cycle um, and have a look at all of the data that's being provided. Um, so I definitely think kind of like the, the data will be richer on the MasterCard side for the kind of chargeback disputes that go through collaboration. Um, but ultimately, we're looking, we're looking at the same goals. So uh, reduction of chargeback volumes and costs, uh, quick resolution timeframes, uh, improve both the customer and merchant experience and richer data that supports uh, better intelligent decision making for chargebacks. Yeah, I think that's right, John. I think you know one of one of the one of the key differences just to 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 add to that, I guess. So with with Visa having removed the does not recognise chargeback reason code, just just as Mastercard are going to, um, that really gave issuers only one decision: you either push the transaction down a fraud road, and then it becomes an allocated chargeback, um, very difficult to challenge, um, or take it as a as a write-off whereas with mastercard there'll be a third way so you can push the transaction down the collaboration road and try and figure it out rather than jumping straight into the fraud pool so i guess i like to think of it as like a big game of snakes and ladders you'll get to the top eventually but just how you get there might be a little bit different depending on the payment scheme okay all right we've got two more questions um in, in your opinion, how will these new changes, uh, the new changes, impact liability? Um, I know that there's with uh, with some changes in the past. There's been, you know, everybody talks about the the liability shift. Uh, uh, will any of the changes shift responsibility from merchants to issuers or customers? And could you talk about that? Yeah, I mean, not not immediately. I mean, I think probably if you if you if you take a more broad view the rules are tending to evolve into promoting secure behavior. So if you're if you're processing with chip and with PIN um, versus chip and signature, you could end up with a liability difference. If you're doing e-commerce and not using uh, MasterCard secure code or verified by Visa, you will find yourself in a liability shift. Um, if you continue to accept magnetic strike transactions, you'll eventually have a, a, a liability shift for that. So I guess the message is, you know, promote yourself to the most secure method of of processing your transaction and you should always be protected from liability in most cases okay all right and the last question um is uh, will these changes end up costing or saving money for the average merchant what, what do you guys think it's a good question um my that's a very my, good question <laughs> very good question like asking how long is a piece of string um my own view is that this will end up saving money because you're not going to have to dedicate resource to uh, to chargeback management in the way that you probably do today. Um, we're not sure what the MasterCard fee model looks like or how it requires or pricing you, but um, the idea is that if you're dealing with more stuff through collaboration, you're not going to be receiving as many chargebacks, so therefore saving a little bit of money in handling fees as well. John, have you got any any view on us? Yeah, no, I, I completely, completely agree. Um, I think there's 
as you said, you're not going to have to put the actual resource towards this. So you're going to save the cost on FT and actually have them um, dedicated to, in terms of a merchant and growing your actual business rather than trying to um, save the money uh, and recover that revenue that's taken. Um, so there's going to be a, a massive savings there, I think. Um, and in terms of the reduction of chargebacks, you can obviously have them not come through as much, so there's going to be less chargebacks for them to actually touch on as well. Um, and there could be obviously a reduction of cost in terms of you using third-party providers as well. Yeah. So I think there's okay. going to be savings. All right. Okay. Well, th thank you guys so much for joining us today. Um, uh, you, thank you, Craig, and thank you, Jonathan. Uh, you know, I know that this is a little bit of a moving target. So um, for for everyone attending, just uh, to let you know, we, we are putting the finishes finishing touches on a white paper uh, that will include a lot of this information that we discussed today. Um, and we're going to send a copy of that white paper out to you guys for free. Um, and we're also busily updating uh, blog entries as uh, new information becomes available. So keep an eye out. Um, we're trying to make sure that we bring you the latest information on all of these changes and uh, the impacts that, that uh, merchants feel. So um, thank you. Did you guys have any uh, additional points or anything you wanted to, to discuss? Nothing directly, but when you guys get the slides, you'll have um, email addresses for both John and I, so don't hesitate to reach out if you've got any follow-up questions. We'll be very happy yeah. to help. Yeah, if you want, we'll go ahead and I'll... Uh, oops. <laughs> if you want, we will... Uh... I'll bring that slide back up and then uh, put your put your email addresses back up on the screen if there was something that um, they talked about that you wanted some clarification on. Uh, yeah, feel free to reach out directly to John or to Craig and uh, they'd be happy to answer your questions. All right, have a good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. Um, we'll, we'll look forward to talking to you next time. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you much, everyone.